Okay. And we lost the bot. Oh, and we, we, we got one of them. We have one of them, so that, that's fine. Hey, everybody. Guess what? It's Flail Forward. It's Friday. It's been uh, it's been a difficult week for, for, for some of us. Um, we're here anyway. We're getting through it. We're um, going to talk about games and uh, the ways in which games can sometimes fall short of, uh, of what, what players may be expecting. And, uh, hey, can you design your way out of that? Maybe. Maybe not. Probably not. But there are some things to uh, probably help players hook into the game or get them invested or... Uh, or t- or tell them what this game actually is instead of pretending it's something else. Or tell them what the game actually is instead of pretending it's something else, yes. Yeah, yeah. That is where most of the failure in games I've encountered comes from, at least. I, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you when you were... No, no, that's, that's No, I think that's, that's probably accurate, is having the player's expectations not be met one of the first failure points for that is having them go into the game expecting something other than what the game is mm-hmm. or having so, no expectations yeah. at all sometimes it can be tough kind of but misleading expectations it's more noticeable when they aren't being met mm-hmm. even if it's not noticeable why Oh, I'm Rob. Welcome to Flail Forward. Catrice is here tonight. Hi, Catrice. Yay, hi. Hi, hi. Uh, Kevwar is here tonight. Hey, Kevwar. Hey, hello, yes. Hello, We are talking yes. about how, how games fail for specifically tonight instead of vaguely talking around it like we do approximately every two weeks, give or take. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, sorry if I'm a little low energy tonight. It's fine. Don't worry about it. You you can talk about it if you want. If that's not, not something you know, no. No, they don't. They don't even know. It's fine. Okay. Just, that's fine. Yeah. Anywho, yes, there are uh, fluctuations of uh, energy in the room. We will be accounting for those as they arise. Yeah. Well, I think I'm at my normal small and steady input of energy, but that's just how I. I think I come across. I'm not sure how it actually comes across. Anyway. I would say you're very burst. Mm-hmm. Like you'll have no input or energy for five minutes and then you'll hop in and actually be really energetic in short bursts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I guess that is how I am here specifically. <laughs> Which makes a lot of sense actually. Because I am perfectly content to let people Say if somebody else is saying what I want to say, they're probably saying it better, is my general opinion in this podcast. So I will just let them talk. Well, well, well what do I do? I uh, I'm kind of curious. What's what's your perception of me? Do you want Catrice to answer that or me? You Go will fall. You will fill all empty space. You will you will try to general you will try to generally bring energy that you think the, that you think we need. <laughs> and yeah. I appreciate that. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, this is definitely a good thing. Like yeah. it 
would be filled with a lot of empty gaps and dead air and just discomfort otherwise so this is a good thing ah yes when i mean well yeah i guess when i'm in podcasty dj mode i will try and fill the dead air with with the vibrations of my face Mm. but uh yeah sometimes i can just be hmm. but that's not that's not good for a podcast so uh talkie time for me Mm -hmm. we're talking about the games in which Games in which fail the player. Okay, we're gonna. How get how games fail? Yeah, fail the players. And I was talking just before the uh, podcast to Kevoir about a game that I was thinking about running soon called Aegon, mm-hmm. which is a game uh, from John Harper, uh, and it is you play a uh, either a demigod or a mortal hero in ancient mythical Greece, and you go around sailing to different islands, handling the problems that are plaguing those islands, uh, occasionally calling on your divine uh, parentage or a god that favors you, and uh, moving along their favor, and then also uh, having bad deific things happen to you that increases your pathos and eventually makes you unplayable. Yep, yep, because because it is a Greek myth simulator, and eventually your hubris is going to destroy you. <laughs> and it doesn't you know, have to. It it only destroys you in Greek mythology if you know one of the various gods doesn't get pissy at you for something that you didn't even do. <laughs> yeah, sometimes that sometimes that does it. But generally speaking, if you are here with multiple myths, you it is it is your hubris that does you in. I mean, they tried to do rage with one of them, but you know, it's still it didn't. Yeah, you, know, you know what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then some. And then sometimes the, the Zeus just pees on you from a cloud, and now you're pregnant with his kid, and it's like, well, there you go. And then yeah. about a half dozen goddesses are pissed off at you because you, of that. Yeah. Yep. yep. Which you had nothing to do with. Had nothing like, to do with it. I mean. Which one was it that was in one of Athena's temples? I think it was like Poseidon raped like some girl, and Athena just got really pissed at her and just made her life hell afterwards. Wasn't that Medusa? Was it? Uh, it might have. There's, yeah, there's a, like there's a couple of them that are pretty similar. Like <laughs> even the good goddesses are not good they're human they're, they're that's that's what the gods are in, in greek myths they're uh they're really their human qualities just blown up to massive proportions and uh yeah uh it's something things that humans do are fodder for those myths and they can be uh quite petty for sure uh Aegon, however i would is uh what how would you characterize it it's a myth maker, basically, right? Yeah, it's about it's very, it's very. Uh, how should I phrase this? It is very good at producing the little episodic tales that are part of a larger collection. Mm-hmm. It has that feel very much nailed down. If you're willing to engage with its mechanics, how it wants you to engage with them, like you are, you are going to do 
your players are going to do wily things and and weird shit to fix problems that uh, that are utterly ridiculous, and that's okay. This should be okay if you're modeling Greek mythology, like literally one of the parts of Greek mythology is tricking the god that's carrying the planet on his back into giving it to you and then tricking him into taking it back again. Uh-huh. Yep. Like this, you kind of have to be able to model this kind of stupidity. Yep. Yeah. Uh, it's uh... Uh, it knows that the player characters are the main characters in a way that if you try to resist it, the game will f- cease to function. Mm-hmm. Like that—that's not something. That's not where I decided it was. Like where I bounced off of it, but it is definitely something that is true about how it is run. Mm. and so how did how did you bounce off of it i bounced off of it because it 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 wants to focus on the crystallized legend of the people and not the how they and not how they come across and what they actually did to the communities it it is focused on making it is focused on crystallizing that into into a distinct series of legends that teach that or how should I phrase this, that flow together instead of, you know, the actual human experiences that, like, hmm. it, that's the part it discards, if that makes sense. Interesting. That is uh, that is fascinating. Uh, yeah. From the point of view of, I, huh, that's fascinating, because, like, it's a, which isn't to say that it's like, oh, the, it, it sweeps people's flaws under the rug. It's like, it's like, Oh no! Your flaws are the important flaws are the dramatic ones. Hmm. I don't know how to phrase it better than that. Which is very good as a Greek mythology simulator. That is that is it. One hundred percent nails what it's going for there. That's just not necessarily what I when I come back to week after week. And that's what that's how I bounce off of it. I don't know how to say it better than that. Right, right, right. right. So, so the structure of the game invites players to engage with it such that it really pulls them along. <laughs> pulls them along on their path and their and towards their inevitable fate. And what was the experience like for the players? Were you, were you running this? Uh, I was running it and the the uh, <laughs> uh I didn't get I didn't like talk interview them afterwards, but mm-hmm. they they seemed to enjoy playing up their archetypes and like do what doing the things that their character sheet said that they should do and like it worked for them <laughs> i don't know how to phrase it better than that mm-hmm. like it definitely points you into oh yeah do the thing do the thing you're good at most of the time <laughs> so uh if you are doing the thing you're bad at you're probably doing it for a reason Anyway, hmm. what so so in your view that uh, okay, I'm kind of curious about that last statement. Mm-hmm. Where for you should a game encourage 
players to do a use a bad stat for a bad reason? Uh, no, no. Uh, sorry, I, I should rephrase that. Uh, so, it different. What I mean is, games are nat naturally players are going to want to do the thing that they put points into. Mm -hmm. uh, this game, in particular, uh, rewards you for rewards you for that behavior even beyond you get better dice. It rewards you for being spent for being for building up your legend at being good at thing. Ah, uh, yes, I, because it adds names, right? Yeah, it adds names, and it it encourage it encourage. Uh, one of the things I like, like unambiguously, and that is really neat. Now that you bring up names, is uh, it encourages you to do callbacks and remember in a way that is interesting and good. Uh, hmm. that that? Basically the name system and how and like how you build your character is referencing prior things you did to expand so that your legend connects together. Mm -hmm. So that is one of the things that it does well. I mean that makes a lot of sense, especially for Greek mythology. Yep. Yeah, uh, so I haven't, I didn't reread it after giving this description, so I hope my memories hold up accurately. And from what I know of how you run, uh, how you run things, Rob, I think you will actually enjoy it. But I do think that you should like not fully commit to doing campaign before you try it and see how it actually turns out. Go oh, ahead. Yeah. 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 Um... Yeah, because it struck me as the kind of game. It, there, there's many. Uh, uh, there's a bunch of ways in which it's doing something similar to Ashes. Mm -hmm. um, uh, see what you're going to say. Okay, so the the thing, uh, another. I'm just going to compliment it again, and I know that's not what this game is, what this set podcast is about, but it is one of the best games I have seen that is good for both. That is good for both one like I can see it flows for both one shots and uh like long term play. It's mm -hmm. rare to find a game that actually does that is actually adept at doing both in as fluidly as it is, or it seems to be. I haven't actually mm -hmm. played a full campaign of it, but it does No, it actually makes sense. Especially mm -hmm. given the setup, like the idea yeah. of like, you know the 12 tasks of Hercules or something like it makes sense that you could just do one of those. There's your one shot yep. or do 12 for a campaign. There you go. Yeah. And uh, did out. One of the things that is slightly disconnected is it, you are a group and that is, that is a disconnection from a lot of Greek mythology. Even, mm -hmm. even the Argonauts, it, the Argonauts was, People take turns to be the one in charge, not right. Not this is a not this is a this is like a rotating cast of people who work together. But right. I think I don't think it suffers too much from that. Yeah, you didn't have Hercules rolling around with Jason, rolling around with Perseus, rolling around with uh, uh, Hippolyta, rolling around with like you know, like just all of the all all of the, the the characters just all coming together and being a D and D group didn't really have although. That I think would be kind of there interesting. Were cases of it? Like yeah, the siege I, I, of Troy. I was, sure. I, I was referencing one of the, those cases. Yeah. 
yeah, the art. Uh, but I was saying, and specifically in that myth, in each leg of that myth, it wasn't, oh, these people are working together. It was one of the people in the crew solved the problem and saved the rest of the other famous people. Mm -hmm. So that they could solve other problems later. Mm. Is that At least that's my memory of it. So. That's probably accurate, though. Yeah. Anyway, cool. so I'll probably I'll probably check that out. Yeah. Um, okay, so how exactly does this have to do with the game failing the players? Because I, uh, I know what did, it did, Yeah, it did not is the problem. But we oh. were talking about it, and Rob said the. Well, I, I oh no, okay, because I I thought for a moment it was because before the podcast started, we were talking about it and. It for you, it failed to be the kind of thing that you want to do week after week, and that that's yeah. what I was that's what I was kind of questioning you about. Yeah, yeah, and I and I think even before the podcast, I said not a not a failing of the game, actually, a okay. failing of how I interact with it and like mm -hmm. what I want out of things versus what it is. Okay, well, if we want a better example then then we can look at the game rob played earlier which got us on this topic in the first place yep. which is where i expected us to open yes <laughs> <laughs> well if he doesn't want to talk about it at length because no, no i mean it, it's okay it, it, there so... is no talking about this there is ranting about this floodgates open go <laughs> thank you uh, <laughs> um so the the game I played that didn't work for me was uh, No Thank You Evil, and uh, it di it didn't work for me. Let's see, there's just multiple levels of n not working for me. So the 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 I guess the main not working for me was uh, structured pretty much like your standard D and D session where. There's things to do. There's an adventure that's been written, and uh, the characters show up and you know walk down this path, make these rolls, and let's all get to the end and high five each other. So to me, like okay, I'm bummed out by that because I'm not generally interested in following somebody else's idea of what I like. So <laughs> right right off the bat, like not not having not having the ability to say, uh, I, I you know give give some input on what the character I'm ostensibly making choices for is doing from the outset. It, it, right away, there's a like, okay, why why do I care? Help me to find out. Let me present a crazy situation. Let me ask questions about it. Don't, well, here, I mean, and or you could just, no, don't just hand me a quest and be like, go do this or the game doesn't work. Because it's like, all right, well, now you're giving me work to do. I mean, that, that tends to be the case for me with most pre-written adventures. Like, I know there's something, like, I, it's pre-written. Why would I? What am I doing here? Uh, I, you know, the the specifics of what go into like the, you know, but 
are, aren't, aren't the same for everybody, right? Everybody's going to have a slightly different story, but like, it's not terribly fast. Like I, I understand that there's joy in playing through the same adventure as somebody else and talking about it, like what you did versus what they did. And so there's a place in what? There's a there's a place for that kind of experience. It just feels like most of the time they're written not such that there's actual choices for the players to make. Like, let's say Bluebeard's Bride. Uh, Bluebeard's Bride is the same story every time you play it. <clears throat> but the specific choices the characters make have such an effect on the outcome that you could play it three times and and not have a similar resolution because the choices matter. Okay. Right. So what I'm hearing from you is that when you're presented with there's a difference between being presented with something that here's a fixed starting position and a fixed problem. You are open to make your decisions on how to go about solving it versus everything is fixed in place. It's just you get to roll the dice in some parts. Like Yes, there the is that, that feel. That's the feel. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think the former is actually good because as you were describing, you were like, okay, there's multiple people that have encountered this situation and they all went about dealing with it in different ways. This is something that people can share shared experiences on, but also have something to talk about. If their shared experience comes down to well, I rolled a 16, yeah, but in my campaign, I rolled a 1. And that's the difference. Um, yeah, there's not. Yes, you bring it You bring it to a very, very succinct and fine point there. It's like, yeah, if, if the story of the game comes down to I rolled different than the other guy, what agency did you really feel you were participating in, then I guess is the question. Yeah, I, I think the issue is that basically is a lack of agency, but it, it's when it showcases that you don't have agency, but it looks like it on the surface. Like, you know, every time you're rolling the dice in most games, you're not really making choices. The dice are substituting you making a choice in many cases. There are exceptions to this, but in many cases it's like, make a will save for your character and it's like okay um that is not me interacting with the game the game's going to do the same thing regardless of whether i am there rolling or if i'm in the washroom and somebody else rolls for me there's no difference um the i think there is it becomes more obvious when it's in a situation where you're comparing the same situation, you had the same choices and you had the same options and there was really only one option because then it's more like 
telling a story and sharing with somebody about what your experience at the casino was at the slot machines. It's like, well, I pulled the arm on the slot machine like 37 times and I only lost like $20 in total. <laughs> it was like, okay, but this, there you go. That's the entire story. It's like yeah. your story is one sentence. There's nothing to it. Yeah. So uh, that's that's one way in which it didn't it didn't connect for me. The other way is that uh, it used this mechanic where um, the thing that kept you making decisions, like like meaning meaning your your uh, your hit points, right? Because that's your that's the amount of agency you get in the game. Once you have no hit points, then you don't get to make decisions. Um, so that thing is also what powers you being good at roles. So if you are, uh, so there's four stats, which is tough, fast, smart, and awesome. And the only ones <clears throat> awesome you only spend on other people. And then the others you spend on roles for yourself. So when you spend on a role, so the difficulty of most roles is like three or four or one or two. You roll a d6, and before the roll, you can spend a point to reduce the difficulty of the roll by one, and that's what your stat does. That's all it does. So you have four chances to reduce a d6 roll by one. Uh, and then the point of the game is that other characters spend awesome points in order to push you over, and it encourages uh, quote-unquote teamwork. But as far as I can tell, it encourages you to tell a story about teamwork, maybe. But it's, it, mechanically, it doesn't really... I don't know, it didn't gel for me. Like There wasn't like an incentive to tell a story about how we could do this together. It's like, oh, I didn't make the role. Spend, spend a point, and we can keep going. Or somebody else is going to have to make a role, or just somebody else spends a point. I don't know. It, it felt very, it felt overly mechanical, actually. For how simple the mechanics were, there was a lot of like, do we spend this thing or not? And not, what's the story here? That's really weird. Like, if you have simple mechanics, like, usually simple mechanics lead into, well, we're keeping the mechanics out of the way mostly. Your, your storytelling fills in the blanks. Mm -hmm. It sounds like this is mechanized to a point that even though the mechanic is simple like the storytelling basically does not come into play because it's such a powerful mechanic yeah that's part of it part of it is also like there's no um let me see where let me try and zero in on specifically what this was it was sort of like there's not an opportunity to 
like spending the stat like doesn't do anything in the story like there's no like it, it's like extra effort that's what it's supposed to be but there's not it doesn't feel that impactful for one it's not like rolling two dice and taking the better it's just reducing it by one and because the point is you're supposed you're supposed to fail basically and then get people to help you um but what happened was most of the time the like the mechanic just took center stage and not the decision and yeah kind of sounds like that's how that would naturally trend like if you're supposed to fail and then get help then it means that you kind of have to use the mechanic every time it stops being a choice. Yeah, it, that's that that looked that was kind of how it was going. Yeah, there were some times when one of us rolled well, like I rolled a six at one point for something, and we didn't need that. And like there was another time when somebody rolled a six, and you know, but once when somebody did roll a six, then it was okay. Who's spending a point? Sorry, that was a uh, lacrosse ball that just dropped. Not that I play lacrosse, but it's very useful to roll on when your back hurts. Um, Makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> rolled off the couch at randomly. Um, anyway, uh, oh, this hand. Yeah, yeah. So it, it just it, it made yeah the 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 it seems like to me the intended gameplay is for the teamwork mechanic to take center stage somewhat often um there's some and, and it, it was weird for me because i sort of like i tried to put myself in the mindset of me at that age like with the intended age which i think is like we were playing like the quote-unquote complex version which is uh like eight to 14 so i was like okay i'll, I'll just kind of go back to like 11 year old me and how would i feel and like okay so i want to play what kind of character you make a character characters the very similar to the cypher systems uh adjective noun who verbs so it's that so i played uh a uh powerful wizard who does magic right because that's what i would have played at 11. and uh what that actually meant for the game was uh a was it was it powerful word? I can't remember what it was. But basically I could either charm somebody, put them to sleep or confuse them, and then my other power was I could make a thing appear and it's an illusion. And that was as the the that was as much wizardy stuff as there was. So I didn't it didn't feel like, like immediately immediately it failed in the department of like satisfying any childhood fantasies about being a wizard. So, like, it felt like there was a disconnect immediately. Apparently, I got to throw a lightning bolt, even though that wasn't on my sheet. I just said I'm throwing a lightning bolt, and that was a ranged attack. And I was like, all right. I didn't know I could do that, but that's fine. Yeah, strangely enough, the way you're describing, like, Powerful Wizard for an 11-year-old, like, I've actually been watching an anime with a friend recently called Kanasuba. I mm-hmm. I'm not sure I should recommend that to anybody, but one of the characters is basically a 
a powerful child wizard. And she's completely decided that she's going to forego absolutely all spells, all magic. She wants the explosion spell. That's it. It's the ultimate, most powerful ability that a mage can ever learn. That's the only fucking thing that she's willing to learn. She absolutely refuses to learn anything else. She casts one spell per day and passes out unconscious. And she absolutely adores this. That's a fun character. (laughs) (laughs) And and taking it face value, a character that's basically (laughs) like a giant one-shot cannon. Yep. <laughs> That's hilarious. Like, what? What? A, I mean, it, as long as it's I, okay. So, like, as a character in a show, that's funny. As yeah, a character in an RPG, it's like it's like a level one mage, except yeah. that their their spell is actually good. But they get to cast one spell in D anD D, and then that's it for the day. Better go to sleep. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, that's actually not the feeling of a powerful wizard especially by like a child's standards it's like Mm -hmm. the concept of at least i get to do one thing yes i blew up the yes the boss showed up and i killed him in one shot it was amazing he had minions and i had to be carried out on like piggyback Uh uh-huh but it's like, yeah, you did the one thing and you did the one thing really well. So yay. Right, right, right. And and yeah, so the 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 yeah, what you're getting at is like that was also a disconnect I had when I played um D D for the first time. Was yeah, I'm I'm oh cool, I get to be a wizard. What do I get to do? Well, you get to do one D four plus one damage. What? It's a magic missile like it, it's a missile and i was picturing like you know rockets was, yeah rockets right and it does less damage than a sword where, where where are you getting off telling me this it does probably less damage than a dagger yes so yeah, so that that there's another instance of where where a game fails to deliver for a player. Like there, and it's weird, right? Because I've played games where it's like, yeah, you can be a wizard starting out, and you get to do pretty cool stuff starting out, uh, like uh, the Dresden Fate books. You can be a wizard from the get go, and yeah, you can be reasonably badass at the start of the game, uh, for not much mechanical heft either like it's not like there's a whole bunch of extra stuff to learn to play an interesting wizard character in that game uh but you do get the uh the fulfillment of of that fantasy like really you know in the fate games it tends to carry off quite a bit better in my experience because you're you're leaning into what you already want the character to do and that's but you get to decide what you want the character to do, so the game gets centered around you pretty pretty damn quick. Yeah, I think that's also something that powered by the apocalypse games in general generally do well is that there's 
a relatively limited number of things you can choose from your playbook at the start. But there's a number of interesting things you can do. Like, they're not usually gated behind level or whatever. It's like, here's a playbook or the equivalent of a class or whatever. You can, if you're going to be a mage, you can probably do something fairly mage-like right at the start. As you learn more yeah. magey stuff, you can just do more magey stuff. Yeah, specifically, you can do something mage-like that is very powerful and meaningful and not, not something somebody can significantly replicate as a non-wizard. Yeah. Yep. And I think that's kind of important because it is actually making you feel like the thing that you're supposed to be right off the start. You know, it's something that, that I, I recall you saying often, Kat, is that if there's no mechanic, like there, there's a point at which you can make rules a bit too generic mm. and the, 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 the texture of that for the players becomes smooth enough that it just doesn't feel different. So that was something that I noticed on, uh, in No Thank You Evil. There was no, there was no mechanical texture to what we were doing. Like any one of our abilities could slot in at any time as, and there, because it's so cartoony, because it's ostensibly supposed to be making room for kids' imaginations, um, the mechanics didn't didn't feel um, like there wasn't enough meat to them. There wasn't enough meat to them, but more than that, it doesn't. It didn't matter who attempted anything. Like there was, yeah. there was just it, it was it was whatever solution you narrate will ch chip away at the problem. We, and chip away at the problem is weird because it, we usually wasn't like, <clears throat> you come up with a solution and then the solution works. You, you come up with a solution and then some part um, of the problem is, is somewhat solved and then something yeah, else happens. You'd actually mentioned that one talking earlier. You said that... Hey, everybody. Hey, check it out. So uh, the, right here is where the recording bot died and also the re backup recording bot died so uh i am recording this to tell you the things about to come back on uh right about here-ish okay that's not too bad yeah i'm not sure uh did it okay. send you over so the first robot for a second but it's yeah, good now yeah. anyway what was i saying anyway uh, oh, you, right. you're so saying was, i ran it for kids I, at, at one point this was a couple of this was oh this was pre pandemic i think yeah and um it I, I had to significantly deviate to keep to hold their interest so uh i was doing stuff like letting them roll multiple dice for different things like if they could describe like a certain thing then i'd give them extra dice against the thing and um if uh mm -hmm. <clears throat> what else 
They could oh take control of the narrative through spending the points instead of taking them for for roles. So like if they wanted to do something really quick, then they would just spend a fast point and do it. Um, that was I, I I grabbed that from Ashes actually, uh, and which I grabbed from the Gumshoe system because that's a pr pretty good way of just yanking narrative control is like having a reserve of narrative control points. And you know if it's weird in retrospect that like no thank you evil doesn't do it like that because it seems like the obvious the obvious thing to do is just you can do a tough thing click and then that's you don't need the kids can feel cool about that like or at least i would you know it's it's like yeah cool i get the spotlight you get to say what how right you get to like say exactly what you what happens and you get narrative control for a second and that's pretty cool um that's more of how i thought it had been working until you said otherwise yeah no if... it just it just makes the die roll easier so oh. yeah it's like i said it, it kind of didn't didn't connect you know i was hoping to see how it was going to work in because this was supposed to connect with with how it's supposed to work in a therapeutic context but it was frustrating so the opposite of therapeutic so that's a funny observation i suppose yeah Anyway, so uh, I sat out the second half, uh, conjured some demons, did some stuff, tried to ground myself out, <laughs> and uh, and just uh, get, try and try and articulate what what I felt the problems were in my own head, and uh, deliver those at the end, and uh it didn't it you know it was okay like we we talked it out it was it was good the, the, you know i was really happy that um that i was able to uh sort of uh, articulate where it went wrong for me and uh hopefully deliver some of that to to um uh, uh, uh in a way that's helpful um and and i don't know Maybe maybe it'll land, maybe it won't, but uh, it, it's it's like we're supposed to be learning about this stuff, and it's it's really uh what it was bizarre <clears throat> like the I don't know, but there 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 it it it, it strikes me as ha well in me it's having the opposite effect of what it should. Right. It should there should be um some sort of if if we are to be learning how to do this, then there should be an experience that is intended and there should be some scaffolding to provide the experience that's intended. And the experience that's intended is clearly not the experience I'm having. So it's not meeting me where I am, I suppose. Uh, or I'm not meeting it where it is, but I feel quite open to the experience. This is the fifth fifth week. Um, and I would say we've had uh, one good session of um, uh, what was it part-time gods? that was that was that was fun because that was a 
narratively open game. And even when I did stuff that was really disruptive to the intended pathway of the scripted adventure, uh, it was rolled with. And so there like that was a that was good. But it didn't it did it didn't come across as having like therapeutic utility as far as I could tell, or I didn't see how that connected. Um, but the other sessions have been sort of, you know, D and D, but not Excellent. not that not not that. I mean, just kind of like okay, it's D and D. It, it's like I don't know. <laughs> there, There's uh, something so I want to watch on there, which is kind of what you were getting at previously when we were actually i'm just trying to be nice that's the thing i'm like i'm sitting here just trying to be nice Mm -hmm. because like i'm so it so hurts yeah it's like man wow it's a deep wound the thing that you seem to be trying to get at though Mm -hmm. was that you're trying to say or at least you were saying this earlier, basically, was that there's something that you're trying to do. Game has basically gotten boring for you, or it isn't letting you do the thing that you want to do. You're not having fun with it. Therefore, where do players usually go with that is they start making their own fun. And a game that is built to be open and accommodating for that this is fine. It'll be like, oh, you want to do this fun thing? I will let you do the fun thing. And it's like, yay, you had fun. Who could have predicted that doing the fun thing would be fun? Uh, It sounds obvious that like, if the players define that this is the thing that they want to do because they think it sounds neat, like, that's probably the thing you should let them do. So it's like, you, you get these tropes all the time in like role-playing memes like oh the concept of yeah there's a ton of interesting things that they've built in the town there's like this dark stranger in the bar and over across the road there's like a building on fire and the players have all decided to talk to a cat that's in the street for like the next two hours (laughs) but it's like a game that's like, no, you're doing this wrong and smacks their hands away from the cat. That's the part they've shown that they're interested in. This should be the point where the game's like, okay, um, yeah, you can play with the cat. Um, the cat is totally a dragon that's polymorphed. It's in disguise. Like, it should let you do the thing and have the thing lead you into, you know, more interesting things. It should just right. run with it and then enhance the thing that you've decided is already fun. Right. If I can paraphrase, uh, the game should take whatever the players find salient and make it super salient. Hmm. That's a good way to put it. Thank you. But yeah, I, I completely agree with what you're saying. Like, and and it should there should be, you know, we talk about safety tools a lot. There's a lot of talk about safety tools, like when to put the brakes on a game. 
Uh, but what is the safety tool for when players are checking out and disengaging? That's not really a safety tool. It's that's, more that, the opposite. The, it's not hitting the yeah. brakes. It's hitting the gas. Well, it's that's a, the thing, right? It's like, can can it is it is can a game stop and be like, whoa, okay, hang on, somebody's checked out here. Why? I don't is think that, the game is, can do that. It, 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 I, well, I, I know, think, but that's the thing. I think part of that is that has to be like the GM or the other players have to notice. And mm -hmm. like, it is a social game and this is a social issue. A game's mechanics can't pick up on the complexities of, you know, the tells of a player, like when they start drumming their fingers on the table. There's no rule that can encompass that. Yeah. Like, you have to rely on humans to be able to pick up human socialization stuff. Like, this, if you don't have that, you can't write it into the game because the game is not sapient. It's not aware. It's yeah. not able to notice things that are happening like that. You can set it up so under X circumstance, Y effect occurs. But if they do not trigger X effect... It's like, oh, they're not drumming their fingers on the table. They're they're playing with their phone instead. Right. Well, these are basically the same thing, but the game doesn't know that. It can't know that. You can't go through every single possibility. The game doesn't know that you're going. <laughs> yeah, it really, it, yeah, it really doesn't have ears. You're correct. <laughs> and it's unlikely that you would put that rule into the game. The other players at the table know exactly that something's fucked up here. Like, you're obviously bored. We should do something about this. Right. So 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 the question is to me, is when when is a game flexible or inflexible enough to accommodate that? Well, I think the main thing is just games should probably have basic rules for GMs, especially like larger games that are intended to introduce players to role-playing. So like D&D should have this in like the DM guide. It should be like, if your players start checking out mentally, like they're blatantly, obviously not paying attention, there's probably stuff you should do here. But it doesn't ever seem to cover that. It's yeah. like this is the kind of thing that should be in the DM guide. Yeah. Well, I think I don't know. I think there are games that are better at handing the agency back to players such that they can let their imagine imaginations run with it. Um, and there are games where it's expecting some sort of informational fire hose from the GM in order to make the game run. And if you have to rely upon that informational fire hose to make the game run, then you're necessarily not asking the players what's going on. And I think most of the time, the GM should be reflective um, and not... Like there, there should be like okay. There's a reveal of what's 
what's the current situation, and probably you should even reveal what the player's suspicions are. And then at that point, allow the players to investigate and ask questions about stuff. Like you set up a situation that's 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 not obvious, you know, like like there's something strange going on. Okay. Uh what's what is it? Okay. Invite them to invite invite mystery. And then and then that's, after that, like set, set up the situation for them. Like help them investigate. This comes back to agency again because what you're describing is the question, what do you do? Which yeah. is very open player agency where it's like, okay, what do you do in this situation? Here are the tools you have. Here's the problems that you're aware of. What do you do with the tools to fix the problems? Assuming that you've decided to fix the problem instead of prolonging the problem and making profit off it. <laughs> right. Usually, usually that's not an option. Uh, however, I mean, it is in corporate structures. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, anywho, uh, uh, well, that's the thing, right? Like, it's not, it's assuming you're going to attempt to solve the problem. But the thing is, like, for, for a lot of games, D&D, Pathfinder, a lot, of, a lot of the games, they don't really give you tools to solve the problems that are very interesting beyond the combat options. Like generally speaking, you're you're just expected to fight whatever you yeah, encounter uh, at least once a session. Yeah, or if you the game treats it like you're cheating if you solve it by uh-huh. <laughs> doing things that's, like you start around combat. That's or, the clue, right? Like if the game is like, oh, you circumvented the game. You're not playing the game properly by thinking your way out of it. Like, oh, oh all right. Yeah, which bugs me and why I've explicitly made sure that that's not the case for mine. Because yeah. it's like, this is usually where most of the stories that you tell people about your game that's interesting. It's like, okay, I was going to bring this up anyway. Like, the... There's a online list of, it's called Things Mr. Welch is Not Allowed to Do Anymore. And it's basically a list of role-playing tropes and things, and kind of, it's usually, this is a person that fucks with games constantly. But it's because they're clever, they come up with... Either things that are very overpowered and broken, but it's really interesting to watch it break. Or it's things that are like, this character is completely broken in the sense that they're not overpowered. They're actually severely underpowered, and yet they're still doing interesting things. But consistently through this list, it's like, you do notice that there is a trend in it that it's like anything that this player seems to be enjoying doing regardless of whether they're following the rules breaking the rules or doing things that are not interacting with the rules or pretty much anything that might be fun is basically being outlawed <laughs> like 
The sound. In fairness, like there are a lot of there are a lot of things on that list that would only be funny once. No, this is true, and this is why I put in the rule for my game: like you can break the game once, that's it. Then you have to do it a different way, which is a good way to do it. I, I, I'm okay with it being phrased as, you know, Mr. Welch is no longer able to do this. But he was able to do it the first time. That's fine. This is a good concept. This is how it should be run, right? It's when it's phrased like... Um, actually, I'll even just... Here, here's one. Here's one that's up. If given a Holy Avenger sword, I can't melt it down and reforge it into a weapon my paladin actually uses. Okay, go fuck yourself. That's my yeah. response to that. Yeah, that's an extremely good example. It's like, okay, wait, you've given yeah. this character a reward that's super powerful that they're not able to use, that they're not allowed to use. It's like, this is just taunting them. It's like waving it right in front of their face. It's like, look, this is an epic paladin weapon, but your particular paladin doesn't use swords. So it's useless to you, but I'm just going to show it to you. Yeah, or or your you know your your pal your swords your deity's uh, favorite weapon is a spear, let's say, and you get a holy avenger. You go, well, can I like put it on the end of a haft, and then and and the GM goes, no, that's not a holy avenger. All right, yeah, well, I'm leaving your table. Sorry, that's I'm out. Like that's I'm not interested now. Like you don't want to even <laughs> you're not interested in me thinking my character is cool. There's no game effect to this. There's like, or maybe there is. Maybe there's a tiny game effect. Maybe it does a D10 instead of a D8. Is it crushing you to have me think my character's fun? Like, where is the downside in that for somebody? Like, why would you do that to a player? It doesn't make any sense to me. <laughs> like, the, it's the exact opposite of why I showed up. Yeah. So specifically is not one of the ones I was referring to. That that is just yeah, no. Yeah, but that hurts. It's even just cutting off the fun things that players do. Like one of the things they had on the list that stood out to me was the spell is heat metal, not detect piercings. And it's like, what are you used for that spell? This is a pretty good description of what the spell is. And it's like, yeah, I, you might not want to hear it every single time, but getting upset when somebody makes a joke like that, like, come on. Like, you're removing the fun from the game. Why are you doing this? Also, an 8, 12, 77. No, I can't have an HR Giger counter. Why? Why can't you have a, 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 a device that detects weird, slimy xenomorphs? Like, they literally have that in Aliens 2. Or Aliens. Alien 2. You know, the second one. James Cameron. Hmm. Paul Reiser's in that movie. I forgot that until I saw it. Like... <laughs> A year ago, <laughs> I'm like that's Paul Reiser. I thought yeah, comedian, funny. Anyway, yeah, but there's other things too. Totally 
not related to the rules. Like, even if the rules allow it, the entire party can't be, can't all be raised by the same wolf. Like, come on, wait, you wait. actually <laughs> have a perfectly good reason for all of the characters to have something in common. I, yeah, like that's, that's a perfect setup for an adventuring party. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, there's yeah. a couple of things that are in here that it's like, wait, that makes perfect sense. Why are you outlawing this? Yeah. Okay, so some, so something I want to ask Catrice, and I'm sorry to get us off this particular topic. Is, so at the beginning, we were talking about how like the uh, one of the main ways games fail players is by misrepresenting themselves. And I want to know if there's anything that left out to you as an example of that outside of Shadowrun. <laughs> I know. I mean, there's quite a few. Um, yeah, I know. Shadowrun's but... a big one, though. Yep. Shadowrun <laughs> is a big one. d and is a big one. Like... Yeah, I, I left Shadowrun off the list because that would be another half hour of talking. Fair enough. No, that's fair. Um... I was asking for someone you wanted to highlight because I'm... I'm interested in what you think. I would say, strangely enough, tech noir actually kind of stuck out to me in that way. Because, you know, you'd think that, like, sort of futuristic, cyberpunky, film noir sort of um, gumshoe detective sort of setup. Like, that's what it sells itself as, right? Mm-hmm. But a lot of it ended up being more of oddly restrictive social requirements between the characters, which was like when I played that, our our game almost fell apart before we got through character creation. Hmm. Because it, it wasn't like we weren't focused on the tech noir aspect of the game. We were focused on, oh, our character, we have a number of positive and negative traits that we drew from hat, literally. And we have to assign these for our character in connection to another person's character. Okay. And it's like, that sounded great at first, except that all of these were random and they could only be used once. So like all love is literally unrequited. Like if you draw, Oh, one person, one character loves another. It's like, okay. It can never be returned. Like the other character draws anything else. Like, Oh, they hate this character or they want to murder this character. And it's like, okay, that's that might almost be interesting, but it is leading to such an irritating web of like, I don't even want to play this situation. This is just gonna piss me off. <laughs> yeah. Like we haven't even gotten into the game. Like we haven't even had the damsel walks through, like the dame walks through the 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 office door yet like and already the game's falling apart because that's not what the focus of the game apparently is right 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 
Yeah, uh, two, two come up for me. Um, one was Burning Wheel, and, and Burning Wheel uh, was a was a non-starter. It just didn't it didn't go because the the character creation system put my players off immediately. Mm. So that was one, <clears throat> uh, and it was because. I mean, I'm trying to recall. It was because there, the 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 life path choices were so radically different in what they apparently gave you. Uh, even though the the meat of the system doesn't isn't really contained in those in those things, the players were so turned off by the wild disparity that they were just like, I just don't. I'm not. I'm not interested in playing a character that starts off with like six fewer dice than this other guy. Like it felt, it was just like I don't get it. Like why? Why am I being penalized for for having a cool backstory, even well, though that's not the point of that character pick, creation system? But yeah, you didn't pick the rich characters, so you don't get to be rich. Right. Obviously. Right. And I was like, yep, but I still want to get some relatively equal benefit for not being the rich character yep you would think so right it's but. like no no you're just a peasant you suck deal with it you should have been rich uh, if there's an objectively correct choice it feels kind of wrong to not take it yep especially if yeah. you don't want to take that choice because it's like it doesn't make sense for this character and it's like getting penalized as you put it like feeling like the game is punishing you for playing your character well or picking a character that is not purely mechanically optimized it's like eh. yep uh the other one that uh <laughs> was really hard on the players uh was wraith the oblivion uh so that was World of Darkness, uh, late '90s, and they the game is you die, uh, you wake up in the afterlife, um, and you're a ghost attached to the material realm. For some reason, you have these fetters that are keeping you behind, like loved ones or things you cared about. And besides that, like what? And mechanically, what's strange about the character creation is everybody gets a shadow, and then that shadow is played by another player whose goal it is is to corrupt the player whose shadow you're playing and basically tempt them into use, overusing their powers so that they get pulled into oblivion. And... Uh, while that sounds like an interesting setup for a game in practice, uh, <laughs> it does very hard to connect those things. And if there's a player absent, the whole thing kind of falls apart. Like it's like if somebody's shadow is absent, like there, somebody has to either play two shadow, like it, it collapses because you're you're there's the role distribution doesn't doesn't work all that well um or if somebody has to play somebody else's shadow that they're not used to 
uh, that can that can be a barrier as well. Um, there was just a lot going on with it that made it untenable, uh, and and we tried a couple of times to play Wraith, um, I, like I, the way it was supposed to be played, and we ended up playing it as I don't know, basically a vampire, but your ghosts, like so. Yeah. Yeah. See, the issue with this is that you basically get a game that inherently has player versus player baked into it. And you may notice that this is common for video games. There's not nearly enough cooperative games for video games, but there's lots of PvP games. Whereas if you look at tabletop RPGs, they're almost uniformly cooperative in nature. Like, when you're sitting right next to somebody, up, like, right next to them, and you're playing a character, not all players are really good at differentiating between in-character and in-player. Mm -hmm. So, having a game where you're intentionally trying to fuck with the other players they can take that rather personally and this isn't a good idea yeah it, it demands uh, a high degree of emotional maturity from everybody involved um, and I don't know it's the kind of thing where it's like that's fine but it didn't really give you any tools to bring that together if that if you had no experience doing that so what i'm what i'm saying is like there were there there was no um roadmap there was no scaffolding for sort of easing players into that experience it was sort of like intended that you knew what to do i suppose uh but it was not it was not obvious for me in the book i remember trying to play werewolf the apocalypse the first time and having no clue what we were supposed to be doing like it was so oblique like why is there politics among werewolves see like, this is one of the things that i find the white wolf books are bad at like they're great at setting up lore because there's probably 50 pages in a row of short stories before they even get to mechanics at all. And, but once you start trying to understand the mechanics themselves, they're usually not that good and they're usually very bare bones. And actually how you're supposed to play the game does not actually have the mechanics and, and the descriptions of how to play it they don't tend to line up with the stories. Like, you usually can't actually replicate the stories that they're they're telling you happen in this setting within the game's rules. It seems like you have to force it in order to do so. At least that was the case for us. Uh, like, the humanity rules um, were so weird. <laughs> like, you're, okay, we're playing a vampire, and, um, oh, you stole something. So roll humanity dice. Oh, you failed. All right. So that uh, you're more vampire-y now. Uh, 
and oh, you killed a guy. Well, that's a humanity role. You're more vampire now. And by session three, you're just like, are we sure we're supposed to be playing it like this? I, I, I have to eat to live, right? So I need the blood. Uh, and then most of how we succeed on adventures is by killing people. And we're, we're not, uh, supposed to, this feels like, this feels like a rapidly downward spiral. So, mm. yeah, I ran into a bunch of issues myself. Um, the Geist game, I completely misunderstood how Geist was supposed to work, apparently. Um, to the point that I had written like a small short story, few pages, just to describe like the character that I'd come up with because I thought it was going to be like really interesting and neat. And then the storyteller explained to me that that's not how this game works at all. And they explained how the guy's thing really worked. And it was like, this is disappointing. This is nowhere near as fun as what I had in mind. <laughs> What do you so, think Geist was? Just a, just, I'm actually curious. Um, let me put it this way. I took the idea that I had in mind, and they became the QB in my game. Oh, so, okay. Yeah, that, I, I understand. Okay. Yeah, I, they were supposed to... Apparently, they were supposed to be like this sort of semi-evil-ish kind of... Not quite evil, but like a remnant of your former life of some sort that's haunting you or something. Whereas I had gotten the sense of shoulder demon. Mm -hmm. And it apparently that's not how they run. Yeah. See, that's the thing. See, I also got shoulder demon. So yeah. it's not like it's it's so when I when I made a Geist character. Like I was like, oh, okay, so so I read I read the book and I was like, okay, so this is what you kind of have this tether to like this underworld thing, and it's because it's it's it, like the Geist isn't that you're a dead person, but you're not the Geist, you're a different thing, and the Geist is this like animate like this like a it's not the spirit of a single person, but it's like a conceptual spirit, so it's like. You know, executioners in this particular part of the country at one point might might have a geist. Like it was, there was a few of them, and they kind of got they, they were like you know pulled by this one something, and then they turned into sort of like this concept a little bit, and now they're more powerful than a regular ghost. And so they make this bargain with you to like come up and touch the material realm, which they normally can't do from the underworld. And I was like, oh, okay, so they kind of yeah, shoulder demon, right? Yeah, that's kind of how I thought it was supposed to work at first, and then it's just, no. No, it's more like they want to explore, They like your geist want, has its own separate set of things that it wants to do. It's almost like the previous one you were mentioning, where it's like PvP, except you're playing the one that's corrupting yourself. Yes. Like, you are fighting your own self with two characters. Yeah, yeah, that's that's kind of what it is. Like the guy has its own 
agenda that it pilots you to carry out and like the tension uh, so that's supposed to be like one of the core tension points in the game and uh it's hmm. the gm i was with had no interest in making that part of the story so which is weird because that's basically the central premise of why you would play this right so i, I don't know i would tell you like it it just didn't yeah it's it weird it, like the shoulder demon thing made way more sense to our group as well because it it, it was like okay play your characters now now spend some part of the session subverting your characters and what ended up happening was is we just we just everybody uh switched goals and started working towards somebody else's goal with their geist and so we were just sort of double teaming stuff and like uh it 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 was like yeah this isn't I don't think the game's supposed to work like this. Um, it wasn't I I I don't know it wasn't messing things up enough and so that that we dropped it after two sessions. So there was there it just yeah it 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 was one of these things where it's like there's a requirement on how this is played and sort of you're gonna have to tell these kind of stories because the mechanics sort of enforce this, but they don't in a way because we can ignore that part of it and nothing breaks so why is it why why this insistence on that it come out this certain way if it can accommodate other variations i don't know yeah i i think this does go back to Basically, again, it, it has set up an expectation in the players, and then it did not actually meet the expectations. Mm -hmm. And it's like, it's okay to subvert expectations to a degree. Like, if you surprise the players with, okay, here's something that you thought it was going to go one way, and then it turns out it's something different, but it was also interesting, so it's okay. Like, you know, the thing that, like... Doki Doki Literature Club does. I've never played it, and I know it's a video game, but it is basically a story-driven thing where it starts off as, like, cute and adorable kind of, you know, romantic story thing, and then it turns into, like, eldritch horror stuff partway through just to fuck with you. But it's like, it's famous for the fact that it does this. Like, mm. it did a good job of it, apparently. I haven't played it again, but I have heard good things about it. It's just this, it's this bait and switch, but it's a bait and switch in a good way. Right. But if it's bait and switch in, like, the way of, you can do anything with this game, and then you go to try to do this specific type of Thing that actually isn't very well supported, you feel lied to. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah, good. So, uh, what was I going to say next? 
Oh, I forgot. Shoot, sorry. I should have Um. So. Oh, God, why did I talk again? Never mind. <laughs> I know. I know. I'm twice in a row. Okay. Okay. <laughs> well, for for the time being, to cover and give Kavar a few more moments to think again. Mm-hmm. I think we can generally say that for the most part, if you let players determine what it is that they find interesting and go off in search of the interesting things that they find interesting, they will typically be interested in the game. Yes, uh, the problem with that is if the game you're playing doesn't support that, you might need to lateral into a different game. And you need to accept that. I have done that before. I have actually had one campaign that went through three different uh, game systems. And if you're not, if you're not <laughs> willing to do that... If across four <laughs> sessions. Across four sessions is impressive. <laughs> like, I've, I've done the first thing, I have not done it... Uh, that was across 40 sessions, not four. <laughs> Good job, Catrice. Wow. Uh, this, the weird part is, eventually, that was the that was the uh, campaign that I landed on learning uh, anima beyond fantasy, which well, yeah, was no, the one I... we, that was the third one we tried and it actually worked and we stuck with it. That makes a deserving amount of sense. Uh, what I was going to say, uh, one of them was D and D. No, it was Pathfinder. The other one, I forget off the top of my head. I know there is another one. All right. Was it uh was it a white wolf product? I don't think so. Okay. Because I because to me a very natural transition would be D and D would be Pathfinder into Exalted into <laughs> mm. Animal. Well, if it was Pathfinder, I could have been like what Rifts, uh, Palladium Fantasy might have been. It- might have been one of those. I don't even remember off the top of my head. I, I don't know if I'll be jogged. Yeah, but... but, but, okay, but what I, I wanted to do as a caveat, too, uh, if, like, the the focus of the game has moved so that you might need to play something else, talk about, talk to people about why you think this is something that should happen, and if they want to, like, get back on what the game's actually supposed to do, or if you, you want to say it's a mistake. Because if you're here, if you're here to like try to play this game and it didn't interest you, you need to figure out why that happened. Like, yeah, um, the reflection th- is an important part. I think the issue largely ended up being in this particular case that there was a good setting, a good concept. Like camping concept was good. The game's mechanics were not functional with it like it did not work so when trying to actually make it to play the game it basically fell apart and it was like this isn't fun but we want to keep playing the same characters in the same setting it's just it kind of had the feeling of like you know when you 
plays Shadowrun and it's like, this would be better in a different game. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's that where it's like, yeah, the, the stuff that makes Shadowrun feel like Shadowrun uh, that you want Shadowrun to feel like don't appear in the mechanics anywhere. Like, <clears throat> what appears is buying a lot of stuff. The home shopping network. Yeah, which, hey, is it can be a fun time. But uh, most of that stuff that you buy doesn't ultimately get used. It's a weird... Yeah. Weird Shadowrun paradox. But, like, yeah, just... It, but, it's, but it's like the kind of thing where it's like... If you if you bought uh, stick and shock ammo and you also bought other kinds of ammo and you find out how effective stick and shock ammo is, you don't like that. You you just you're just Hank gets it. <laughs> it's something so strange about Shadowrun where there's like these niche these niche items that just exploit something in the game. Yeah. Also, one thing I do want to mention before I forget. Mm-hmm. The nature of this campaign, and oddly, why we wanted to stick with it, which was weird, but it was run by a very good GM, was, strangely enough, this was post-apocalyptic My Little Pony. Okay. Hang on, hang on. Wait, 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 wait. And, and... wait, wait. wait, wait. wait. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I now know why you started with Pathfinder. Mm-hmm. Now, to make things weirder, the characters themselves were not ponies. They were pulled from uh, fantasy mo- or modern day and then transported to this world by the main cast who had now ascended to godhood. So, like, the main ponies in the show were now gods basically, after the apocalyptic stuff. And we were supposed to be their champions to fix stuff for them because they were busy trying to prevent, like, the end of the world on a more permanent scale. Wow. Ah. <laughs> uh, that's amazing. That checks out. That sure sounds like a campaign that ended in anima. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I understand your dilemma now. I, I now I get it. Thank you. That that's that that closes all of the loops. Yeah. Strangely enough. I had never watched anything from MLP, so I didn't really know a lot about the setting going into it, but it was very interesting and apparently didn't have a whole plot to do with the show, only very tangentially related, but okay. Oh. The only reason that campaign ended was apparently the next season oh. of the show came out and the canon lore completely destroyed the GM's plot twists and the premise of it, so... They basically had a breakdown. and was like, everything's fucked. It's all broken. I'm, I'm quitting it. Uh, the, uh, okay. I would have been fine with alternate reality, 
alternate universe, but they they really just left out about again. it. I see. Well, I mean, yeah. Yeah, uh, I don't know. But anyway, so yeah, this was a game that existed. Feel free to uh, have listeners um, write in your hate mail that this even existed. <laughs> oh, I don't think they're going to give you any hate mail for that. If there's going to be hate mail, I don't know. I'm, I don't, none of us are going to read it, I don't think. Anyway, uh, oh, the other thing, one more, that I, uh, as GM, this, this one didn't work. Uh, Call of Cthulhu, specifically, and this is why I don't run campaigns of Call of Cthulhu, I will only do one-shots anymore. Uh, the Masks of Nyarlathotep, which is a really cool, nice, big, thick adventure book with a whole bunch of cool details and story and all that stuff. And uh, if you can take the same group of PCs and play that game and make it out of chapter one with all those PCs like in reasonable shape to continue into chapter two, I I am very impressed because that is that I was doing my best to run that book, run run that like as well as I could and uh, sort of make sure like we were going to get through the whole thing because it was it's a pretty interesting story and uh yeah it was just tanked rolls from the beginning and players like oh, okay i am i am half crazy now and there's a like the very first thing that happened there's something really gnarly in a well in the bottom of a shop and that about ended the game yeah i had a different and it was a fun session uh but like there was this uh oh yeah there's there's um like i don't know conservatively like 240 pages to go so the the, the players were feeling a little like uh, how are we supposed to lose this hard this early yeah i had a different issue when i was playing call of cthulhu because it was another one of these really big tomes of a module basically with mm-hmm. like tons of stuff and the problem was we went through like this f- section on like oh we're trying to get to africa or something so there's like a section where you're on like the cruise liner and a bunch of things go wrong like people go missing and there's like all this other stuff going on but because we sucked on our rolls, we simply did not pick up any clues. Like, we did not get enough information to piece anything together. So it's like, here's like a half dozen side quests, and you're just not rolling well enough to make any progress on them. So we got to the end of it, and we got to the end of one of the side quests, and most of it was like, Every day, wake up, roll to see if we discovered anything looking for information about this thing. No, we failed. I guess we go back to bed and we try again the next day. It's like, it wasn't really fun because of that. Yep. Yeah. That sounds quite tedious. Yeah, but again, it was like setting up expectations for the players and failing to meet it. It's like... You're going to be investigators, and you're going to 
sleuth out like this paranormal stuff unless the dice say no and then fuck you i guess you're not playing the game <laughs> right <laughs> yeah it's the weirdest thing right like the way the way it puts like the game behind you rolling well sometimes it's like yeah if you oh, if you didn't roll well too bad like that's the game it's like well no that's 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 the opposite of the the fun that you are supposed to be promising me. Like I, the, yeah. the game should be fun, no 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 matter what happens to the dice. Like that's there's no like conceptualizing a bad role as player failure is one of the massive problems I have with D and D. Just on its face, like that's how it conceptualizes. You can you will see that everywhere in every like guide. Oh, you know you failed a roll. No, the dice went badly. Maybe you still succeeded. Maybe there's something. Maybe you gave something up in order became to became a pirate victory. You succeeded. You just don't want to. Yeah, there you go. It, it would have been better if you hadn't have succeeded. Right, you can do that, but no, that's not a thing. That is a failure. It is a failure on your part. So yeah, which I don't is know. kind of the least interesting option most of the time. I, yep. I do like that about the whole concept of, you know, um, Powered by the Apocalypse, where you succeed, but mm -hmm. this is a good way to do things, usually. It means that something interesting happened, because it's hard to have the but without the but being interesting. Yeah, or or if you don't get the result you want, the payoff is immediate experience because that's one, it softens the blow. And then two, generally speaking, uh, something interesting still happens. And, and, and importantly, it makes it so that it basically, uh, Apocalypse World and some of like some of its derivatives don't, take this to heart as much, but Apocalypse World wants you to fail rolls, so uh, it's <laughs> so there needs to be some incentive structure to make things go wrong sometimes. Mm -hmm. it, it, like, the game it's part, uh, how do I phrase this? I've probably said this before, but in, in but what you were talking about earlier, like, how dice shouldn't like, determine like shouldn't be considered well, dice rolling badly shouldn't be considered player incompetence. It's a major attempt to reinforce that, I guess. I'm, that's a really bad way to say that, but yeah. I still don't like that concept like that you should fail sometimes. Like I tend to find it's a lot more interesting when like you don't need to enforce failure on players, you can just make it difficult and give them the opportunity to find ways to make it work because players don't need to fail. Players are very good at coming up with really stupid plans. Instead of asking the player, do you really want to do that? You say, okay, I will totally let you do this. You have totally succeeded. You that probably should not have tried this. That doesn't entirely work for me these days because one of the people I frequently play games with is way more responsible than me. 
<laughs> it's very weird. Yeah, but that's why you have multiple players. They will find yes. something to screw it up. Even if yeah. you have the one player that's responsible, they're just going to be cleaning up everybody else's mess. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but yeah, it's like the worst thing you can do to a player to fuck up their game is not to tell them no, it's to just tell them yes when they say something dumb. Yeah. I just cannot, I just play with too many reasonable people these days. They don't say enough dumb shit. Like, they say some dumb shit, but it's like varying character and dumb in ways that are specific to their character. And it's just not enough to hang them with. Ah, uh, yeah. It's just tragic. Encourage like, them to start playing more fucked up characters. Then I can't. I I cannot say. Like I cannot look at Jenny Green Tooth and go, "Yeah, that character's not fucked up enough." <laughs> I, I can't do that. That's not accurate. They're not, they're not fucked up in the right ways, though. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They're 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 lovely. They're a treat. Just because every just because all the children in the village think they want to eat them doesn't mean they're not a good person. Anyway. <laughs> uh did I mention that I have mostly about witches campaign running right now? Cool. <laughs> oh god. Ah. Well, it it is it is uh you have spent the last uh this is this we're at uh, an hour and forty. Yeah, so probably good to end here. But I yep. to do a quick summary then. When a game fails the players, it's usually either like the GM telling the players, no, you're not allowed to have fun, or it's the game building an expectation and then not delivering on it, or just failing to actually give the players the agency or to do what they want, or if they decide that they're bored and they want to come up with something else to do, then it restricts them from doing this new thing they want to do. Like, if the players are starting to disengage, give them the capacity to re-engage with the game. If you just keep doing the same thing that you know they're not engaging with, it's not going to work. There has to be some flexibility in the game. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, thank you. That That's great. Good night, everyone. Good night. Thank you, Catrice, for doing my job of saying we should probably end things. Or was that Rob? It was uh, me. Oh, it was me. <laughs> well, good job, summed Rob. Up. Catrice yep, summed up yep, very nicely. You, you, good job. I was looking yep. at the time. I was going to mention it, but Rob beat me to it. Yeah. We're responsible tonight. I know mm. it's weird. Yeah, it to happen someday. All right. Good night, everyone. Thanks Good for listening. Night. If you were, and if not, that's well, you don't know me saying this. So yeah, uh, yeah. thank you too, though. <laughs> okay, that there is the good cop, bad cop of the show. <laughs> good night. Good night. Crazy. Sorry, I'm going to get us in trouble. <laughs>